You are now listening to the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. Wait, the answer was add 10 gallons? Add 10 gallons. My first thought was we got to put active children. Yeah, great. <laughs> Trucks on the, on the way. On the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I've got two observations, uh, neither of which are really educated or well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> Which are like most of my observations are. There aren't a lot of problems at a job site that can't be solved with a sack full of business. Today's episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast is brought to you by Actigel 208. Actigel 208 is a high-performance additive for the concrete industry that is greatly beneficial to the producer. It enables them to increase the percentage of manufactured sand by up to 100% and completely replace all the natural sand in the mix. In areas where natural sand is scarce, inconsistent, and expensive, this provides a huge benefit to any ready-mix company out there. Benefits of manufactured sand and concrete include consistent air content, improved compaction, and increased density. Now in the past, the downside of using manufactured sands was that they were hard to pump, hard to place, and hard to finish. Well, Actigel 208 solves all those issues. By improving suspension, stability, and the quality of the cement paste in the mix, Actigel overcomes the old issues with manufactured sand and leaves them behind. Let Actigel 208 improve the quality of your mix while saving money on every yard you produce. For more information, visit us at actigel.com. That's A-C-T-I-G-E-L.com. Welcome in, everybody, to episode six of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. We appreciate you being with us. We're happy to have made it to a half dozen episodes now. Uh, if you've listened to any one or all five of our previous episodes, we certainly appreciate it. Do us a favor and uh, like, subscribe, leave a comment, and uh, tell your friends as we try to grow our audience, as we've done uh, each and every show. And we certainly appreciate any new viewers and uh, and the OG viewers that have been with us since episode one. We appreciate you all. And hope of you. Uh, but for episode six here, we're just going to hang out with the boys. No scheduled guest, but uh, we're going to talk about all things concrete and a few other non-related things that may or may not include college football now that we have the privilege of talking about it. Um, but we're going to check in with the boys and see what happens. Paul, how's it going? It's going good, man. Thanks. Joey, what's up, man? Everything's going good. And just to note, you know, we're at the, uh, as of this recording, we're at quitting time. So everything we record and speak about after hours, we can just talk about whatever we want, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be concrete related. So I don't think we should feel that guilty. Is that right? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm a salaried employee right now. So uh, this is this is extra time. And not only after hours, it's after five o'clock on a friday so we're pulling a double hansu we, right <laughs> we are shout out to hansu i miss you buddy inside joke <laughs> inside it's... joke that nobody understands way to alienate the uh audience there paul thanks for yep. not bad no but we we do appreciate you listeners we are working uh past 5 p.m on a friday to bring you the latest episode we're just gonna talk about some stuff no 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 the first thing we're going to do is we're going to all acknowledge, we're going to bow down Joshua Hare. Is right. The powers that be at the World of Concrete must have been listening to our show because they have delayed World of Concrete six months because Josh told them, he said, look, these conferences are worthless if we can't do it in person. That's right. They agreed with you, and now it's in July. That's right. Throwing yep. away from the industry. You're welcome, everybody. Now you get to go to Las Vegas in June. <laughs> 
<laughs> your gold bond. Yes. Anti-monkey butt all around. Well, we've been to World of Concrete a bunch of times, and there's a lot of walking Man. at the World of Concrete. There's a lot of outdoor exhibits. What are all those people in the outdoor exhibits going to do? It's going to be 110 degrees. Those <laughs> asphalt parking lots. <laughs> Not only are they going to be in trouble, there's going to be more people in trouble because they are expanding the outdoor section this year. Um, because they can, and also because that'll help spread some things out. And there's also a new hall. The Las Vegas Convention Center finished their West Hall, and that adds 1.4 million square feet of space onto the already 3.2 million square feet of space uh, that they already had. So the big gets bigger out there, more uh, convention hall space, more outdoor space. Uh, it's going to be a pretty, pretty decent size event. I'm wondering who will be able to travel there and who won't be. You know, that's looking ahead. It's looking ahead eight months. So we'll see. Yeah, well, coronavirus will be gone after November 3rd, so I'm not worried <laughs> about it. Right. <laughs> it will be interesting to see who is out there for June instead of, it's usually what, late January or February, you know, those winter months when some people are slowed down. So that'll be interesting to see what the crowd looks like. It usually starts the day after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Remember the last couple of times we've been out there, Super Bowl Sunday, and then Monday was World of Concrete. Yeah. yeah. So our guys were going out early. <laughs> <laughs> right. Party of the Super Bowl in Vegas. That's right. And, and it's funny, um, I read I read their press release announcing this, and it was on uh, Concrete Products' website. On the press release here, it, it's kind of funny because the date's in June, and I don't know when the last day of spring 2021 actually is, but it's it's funny that they say, um, picking it up mid-sentence here, um, with the necessary time to plan effectively and allows us to reimagine World of Concrete for a different time of year, moving the event from winter to late spring will allow for additional outdoor activities everyone can enjoy pretty late in the spring for Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how late the spring runs out in Las Vegas, but let me tell you, spring don't last very long down here in the south. Paul knows this. Spring ends about mid-May. <laughs> There's no more spring weather. In February, it's 70 degrees. Yeah. What's yeah. it going to be in June? I think technically spring runs to the 22nd of June. Mm. I think that might be right. Okay. I could be wrong. You I mean, said it with enough confidence. I think we should roll with that. You know, I learned that when I was really young. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. I was in like third grade, and I was listening to these people. They were in class, and uh, they get called on for answers. And they'd be like, George Washington? And they were like, what? Were you giving an answer or asking a question? And the teacher would constantly bully all the students because they didn't know how to answer questions. And I was like, okay, so you got to answer authoritatively. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And it's my turn. I was like, John Adams. Like, no. no. <laughs> why, why are you being so aggressive? <laughs> but it, but it actually caught people off guard. They're like, was it John Adams? Like, was that the third president? Yeah, you know, no, it's not. It's Jefferson. But. I learned right then. I was like, if you say it like you think you know what I'm about, like people are like, all right. And mm -hmm. I carried that into my professional life and now my podcasting life. That's right. <laughs> and if Paul really didn't know the answer, he just stood up in his chair and yelled, roll tide. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that may be why it catches on so well, because y'all just yell, roll tide. And people are like, yeah, that's awesome. And not really knowing that it's terrible. It's always the right answer. 
It's always the right answer. <laughs> that ESPN commercial they have, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you got to Google it, go to YouTube. It's yeah. ESPN Roll Tide, and they're just like constantly answering Roll Tide to everything. It's, it's a thank you. It's a celebration. It's sad. It's everything. It covers everything, and it's just so correct. <laughs> the whole thing a, was so exactly right. And they use it as a sign-off. I was actually listening to a hunting podcast the other day while I was mowing the yard, and the at the end of the call they were talking about you know whatever these two guys lived in alabama and they signed off like they were on the phone with each other that's how they signed off with each other instead of saying see you later goodbye they said roll tide roll tide hung up that was it yeah no that's right absolutely right and my other favorite thing is when you see an auburn fan and <laughs> like out in the wild out in the wild you see one and uh, and I saw one at Myrtle Beach when I was down there, and I saw an Auburn fan, and I was like, "Woo, roll tide!" And he was like, "Dude, I'm not even a fan. My brother just sends me these shirts." Oh, <laughs> 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 that was disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of hunting, though, Joey, you just went and uh, shot some stuff. What were you doing today? Yeah, we were shooting trap uh, clay pigeons or what have you. The uh... Middle Tennessee State uh, Concrete Industry Management Program, their alumni, they have an annual skeet shoot uh, to kind of help just raise money for the program or what have you. They're actually talking about building, or they are going to be building a, a new a new building um, for the CIM, or I guess it's now the CCM program, Concrete Construction Management. Uh, I think they've switched over to that. But Well, I'm, I'm interested if you know this or not, when they changed from the CIM to the CCM, did did the name change only for whatever reason, or did the actual curriculum and like the programs that they offered change? I'd be interested to know that too. Well, I know at one time, just in the time that we've been involved, that we we're really involved, they were the CIM program and the construction management degree were part of the engineering department at Middle Tennessee State. It then broke out, it got big enough, it broke out on its own. So the construction management. Uh, really, they called it the they called it the concrete department, and the construction management was inside the concrete department, and Dr. Brown was the head of that. And then now it sounds like Joey's saying they're changing the name again. So I don't know what the new nomenclature means, but we'll find out. Mm -hmm. They had a morning session, and then there was an afternoon session, and I think during the morning session I saw mm, quite a few dozen, about a few dozen people. And uh, teams of four or five shooters uh, just shooting clay pigeons, hit or miss, and you add everything up. And uh, whoever had the most hits won. And our team placed third in those um, those teams. So we did pretty good. We got to get on the podium. Um, but, yeah, I actually didn't know hardly anybody there like I thought I would. Um, just I didn't recognize a bunch of people. I knew the couple guys we were shooting with and maybe one or two other ones, but that was it. There was a few few older people, I guess the CIM patrons, um, that just helped, you know, that, that give a lot of funds to the program. And then there were some younger guys, um, and then there was a you know, pretty wide array of ages there, but I actually didn't know a lot of people. But it was cool. I'd, I'd like to go, you know, more and, you know, make some more connections there and hopefully see some more guys we know, but... It was really cool to get out, and I'm, and I'm wondering, too, if uh, if other CIM programs have those kind of gatherings, if those would be cool to cool to attend. Like, I don't I don't know if they have a CIM program up, you know, in, in the mid-Atlantic up 
there where you guys are, but I don't know if Paul, if you can go to something like that or reconnect or connect with uh, CIM alumni associations up there. Wait, is is Joey talking about having a mixer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, those old frat habits never die, do they? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there is a concrete program at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, wherever that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, building they're trying to build, is that the same one they've been talking about for like 15 years, the new concrete lab, the new concrete auditorium, that whole thing? Apparently, I've I've seen, uh, you know, digital renderings of it, and it looks pretty sweet. I guess it's stated to be completed in 2022. I think that's right. So I don't know where. If, Paul, since you and I left that campus, it's unrecognizable. It's I'm, so much nicer than when we were there. <laughs> oh, it's we had some old buildings, you know, there when we were there. A lot of things needed updated. The best thing on the campus when we were there was the Chick-fil-A and the and the uh, mess hall there. And actually, the nicest thing there when we were there was like the new roundabout that they built. And mm-hmm. they were so scared because nobody knew what a roundabout was. And they were like, oh, my God, we're going to have so many accidents. Like, uh, I think Joey and some other people, like, took lawn chairs and set them out in the middle of the roundabout <laughs> with a case of beer. They were like, let's watch how many accidents there are going to be because nobody has any idea how to merge. <laughs> it was a two-lane roundabout. This is about to get ugly. Because <laughs> most of the people that went there were just either, you know, dirts like me from Middle Tennessee or people that had – or maybe they were international students that came in, you know, for some certain program or whatever. So it was a pretty mixed bag. So we were just confident there was just going to be an absolute madhouse there in that roundabout. Because where I grew up, we had one traffic light, and it was out on the other side of the county. We didn't know nothing about no roundabout. <laughs> yeah, so they built the roundabout, and then they built a parking garage. And those are like the only two semi-new buildings. And you go back now, and they got a, a new uh, elementary school teacher, like a $70 million building, $100 million science building. Uh, so uh, the education building, the science building. Oh, the new student union was like mm-hmm. a $60, 70000000 million building. Just things going up everywhere. Those old ball fields got converted into hundreds. <laughs> Of millions of dollars worth of buildings for people to enjoy and i mean i'm happy for them but why couldn't we have that i guess because uh, the mtsu football team didn't bring in enough money we finally made it to a bowl game that last <laughs> year we were there <laughs> <laughs> nobody used to go to the games yeah that old uh that old intramural field where they built those brand new buildings uh, i mean where's the rugby team gonna play now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they better have intramural sports. We had some good times there. Yeah, man, that was the jam. There's a lot of truth to that, though, man. I mean, you go to, not Middle Tennessee State, but you go to some of these bigger schools, football funds everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy how much money that brings in. And I mean, I guess basketball would be second in those uh, schools. That may have to be. But even then, I think football might be the only one that makes money in a lot of schools, if it even makes money. Some get substitute. I'm sorry, subsidized by the academic side. Some right. of the grants that they bring in. But speaking of football programs, did you see the new Alabama stadium renovations? I did not. Oh, y'all are missing out. Beautiful. We don't really Beautiful. we don't really keep up with that kind of stuff, Paul. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad that I can bring this information to you, and I would encourage all of our listeners to go and look up the renovations to the new locker room. It's beautiful. They got a juice bar. 
Yeah, they had that old waterfall in the hot tub, and it was so weird. <laughs> yeah. I think what man, like some of these college programs, they just keep trying to one up each other with locker rooms and facilities. Like you're basically trying to court rich chicks at this point. Like, look at all this cool stuff I got. Come oh. hang out with me for four years. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. If they're not catering to the rich chicks, they're using the rich chicks to get the recruits. <laughs> we might have to cut that part out, but you're well, right. That was Louisville basketball. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, sure. <laughs> and they went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that actually happened. Man, I wish I'd have been good enough at anything for somebody to try and like give me money and women to go to college. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Speaking of building stuff and trying to get this thing back on the rails, um, the NRMCA came out and uh, 20 members strong in their 2020 Excellence in Quality Awards program. Uh, just want to give a quick shout out to a few people that we have worked with personally, and they break these down by category, A, B, and C. A is for people that produce more than a million cubic yards. B is between a quarter and a million, and C is under a quarter million. Um, but Argus made the list, which is cool to see. Uh, Irving Materials made the list. Um, Thomas Concrete made the list. Thomas Concrete actually made the list twice. Uh, their Georgia division is in category A for obvious reasons there in Atlanta. And then their Charlotte, Raleigh, Coastal, Upstate divisions made uh, category B. Um, and then in category B was Chandler Concrete, Buckeye Ready Mix. And then in category C, Conawago Ready Mix made the list in category C. Oh, nice. That's uh, the Pennsylvania guys, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. Even in... Uh, even the year that we had, people are still getting recognized for doing plenty of work. And as we've heard, I mean, the work is still going on. The real question is how much work is going to be done next year, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a bunch of things getting postponed and pushed back, and it's it's unfortunate. Uh, you mentioned Thomas Concrete there, the Georgia division. Uh, we need to have Justin Lassaby here on the show. He'd be a great guest to have. Yeah. Learn a lot from him. We've learned a lot from him. Him and John Cook over there, very knowledgeable guys. Uh, you know, I called Justin. I reached out to him about coming on. So uh, hopefully he'll get back to us here soon. He'd be a great guest. Oh, hey, last show, we talked about coming in here with some stats on how COVID has affected cement production and importation, exportation tariffs or whatever. And I'm proud to report I have no new information. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's that's nice that um... – I still give the same amount of attention to homework assignments now as I did 20 years ago in grade school. So, yeah, according uh, according to the amount of clays I actually hit versus shot at today, I'm still a D student. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try again next time. <laughs> Somebody put it on my calendar. Yeah, I'm going to write it down right now because I will forget in the next five minutes. <laughs> yeah, always writing stuff down. Mm-hmm. Whether it's somebody's name, an assignment, a task, always got to write it down. It helps you remember. It's uh, it's a good thing to know. I got to. I mean, my memory is horrible. Hey, did y'all see that thing I sent y'all about the uh, new cement they're trying to make down in Columbia? The one that's got 30% clay inside of it. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw the article. I actually didn't read the article, though, so hit me with it. 
no, that's uh, absolutely on brand for our friendship, 100%. You know I don't read articles if, if, that you send me. I read, I read every single one of them. <laughs> I read every single, every single Clay Travis article you've ever sent me. Hey, the ones he has about like his betting stuff, those are hilarious. He's an awesome writer. He's hilarious. Those are hilarious. Well, All right. Whitlock on there too. Whitlock's good too. Yeah, Whitlock's got his moments. Sometimes I wonder if Whitlock's being provocative for provocative sake. Or I'm just assuming he is. Yeah. I, I, I question how much of that is authentic. I'm not saying he doesn't believe it, but is he cranking it up to 11 just because he's in the entertainment business? I think so. I think there's an element to that with everybody in the entertainment business. Yeah. I mean, I don't trust nobody on TV. Dude. Don't trust uh, any politicians because, you know, that's who we are. But, hey, speaking of podcasts and politician-type people, uh, Megan Kelly's got a new podcast. It just came out this week. Right. It's awesome. Hmm. Yep, super good. All of her first guests were really good. She's really good. It's So far, I mean, it's five episodes deep, just like us, but hers is maybe as good as ours, maybe. Yeah, I'll be the big rep. <laughs> <laughs> She's prettier than us, that's for that's sure. That's for sure. Yeah, people are way more interested in the video aspect of her show. Uh, no video, it's all audio. Really? It's a legit podcast. I'm out. Joey <laughs> <laughs> so just had to quiet part out loud. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are just intimidated by a strong woman. No. I'm gravitated. I'm like, it's like a tractor beam. <laughs> yeah, she's your type. Yeah. 100%. No, but anyways, the cement in the Columbia, they <laughs> they put 30% kaolin in it because uh, they're trying to reduce carbon footprint. They're thinking, hey, if we don't have to cook as much limestone, same thing with the Portland limestone cement, where they're putting 10% just the raw crushed limestone in there. Uh, in this case, it's 30% kaolin and clay. But as I dug into it a little further, it wasn't raw feed of the kaolin they're putting in there. They're actually heating it up to metakaolin and then putting it in and i'm just thinking okay, that's expensive that's very very expensive and now you're going to take you're going to create a, a tacky cement that's probably red in color and that's going to be that's going to be tough it's going to be tough so I, I looked up the research papers on it trying to figure out all right what's this lady doing who's championing this how is she getting around these things and i don't know that she is getting around the cost I think the costs are high. Uh, she did find ways around the, um, the discoloration. They found different ways to cook it, different times, temperatures, whatever the final product that would allow uh, the uh, color to be back more to like a grayish color. Uh, but man, there are a lot of hurdles there. She's been working on it a long time, but uh, they just uh, retrofitted a cement plant down there in Columbia that's going to be using that local clay. I mean, that's all that's down there. There's tons of clay down there. Mm -hmm. And they're going to retrofit that plant, or they already did, uh, to use this new cement type, uh, calling it LC3 cement. So be interesting to see if it works. You know, if they have any major hiccups down there as this is their real first time commercializing this type of cement. Hmm. That's interesting because off the top of my head, when you had mentioned that they're putting kaolin in concrete, I just assumed that it would be airflow, hard kaolin from. You know, I mean, that's readily available in South Carolina and well, 
which is the the northern part of that uh, kaolin deposit there but air float is relative relatively cheap uh, compared to a calcine kaolin plus it's white in color uh, and it's flat platy mineral it's already used as as a binder and an enforcement filler in a lot of rubber products and things like that that are generally hard anyway um, and then <laughs> then as soon as you said it that it's it's calcine I'm like that just starts throwing up red flags as far as you know a QC program because it's very volatile as far as you know how long you fire it how hot it gets and I mean that's a lot of stuff to control and not only is it difficult but the more stuff you need to control the more expensive it is I was thinking the same thing I mean I don't have your knowledge of clay uh, like that but I, I was in the same vein and when I heard that it was turning it red I was like oh this is probably more like a bauxite uh, but then still, if they're classifying it as a kaolin and then uh, calcining it, the price has got to go through the roof, absolutely through the roof. I I just don't understand, but it's all in the name being more green, less CO2. Um, and maybe it is less CO2, but you're still cooking the kaolin. <laughs> you know? you're, you're still using a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, di I didn't get it. So I don't want to poo-poo the idea or the research anything. I, I'm not trying to go down that line, but I am trying to say I don't understand completely, and I'll wait uh, optimistically and hope that they can achieve something. Yeah, well, keep an eye on it, sure. What's, uh, so they're making it in, down in Columbia, and Josh, you said, you know, Kaolin is prevalent in, you know, South Carolina and the Southeast. Is this something that would have to be made in those areas and shipped out other places or would you just have to bring kaolin in from wherever and start making it with cement or what's what would what would be the logistics of all that you think well i i would assume that it it almost has to be a regional product because unlike uh, you know unlike limestone or or you know other raw materials that you use in concrete um kaolin well especially Pure sources of kaolin are, are very limited to that southeast portion, pretty much along the Appalachian Mountains, uh, South Carolina and Georgia, maybe down into the Panhandle, Florida a little bit, but actually I doubt it. Um, but it's very exclusive to that part of the country. Um, so I would assume that it would have to be a regional product. Um, and if you were to get it, you know, into different time zones, different areas of the country, you would have to put it on a rail car. And ship well, it starts it. to get expensive. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to put it in bulk bags and ship it on rail cars or, or trucks. And at that point. Well, I think the whole idea with this, as I was, as I was reading about it, was that it, the clay is right there next door. Yeah. So they're just taking it out of the ground, taking it across the street and using it. And in the places where they were testing this before it commercialized, it was the same thing. You know, it was, you know, in the same country, in the same mm -hmm. area in Europe where there's other kaolin clays and uh, hey it's right down the street from this cement plant so let's try it there with with their version of kaolin clay because it's all you know a little different depending on where you go and I don't know I just when I heard that they were cooking it and turning it into metakaolin first I just get real suspicious yeah yeah for sure well who um was was the project sponsored by anybody or or who would who's taking up all this research and development yeah i mean there was a lot of people i think if if, if our listeners want to learn more about it i think googling lc3 cement would be a good start because there's a lot of organizations that were involved in the development 
and uh, the woman who's spearheading it. Uh, you know, I think it'd be good if you did your own research to read up on her and and see what she's all about. Uh, but you know, I didn't want to badmouth anybody, and I, and because I feel like I'm coming off negative right now because I don't know that this is gonna work. Skeptical. Yeah, yeah skeptical. Yeah, not, yeah I'm, we're, we're asking pretty legitimate questions. Yeah, here. yeah. I just, so I don't want to. This lady's been working her whole life on it. I don't want to be like poo pooing her and anyway. But down, <laughs> down there in Columbia, LC3 cement. Uh, check it out. I mean, is that fair? Am I supposed to bring her name? Is that the thing to do to give her a shout out on her life's work that I don't like? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing to do now in this day and age. <laughs> Just tell people that you're not happy with their yeah. life's work. If you're on Twitter, it's okay. Anywhere else, it's not okay. Oh, I tried desperately to stay off Twitter. Oh, it's addicting. It's what? a train wreck, man. Watching people yell at each other about stuff that really is ins- inconsequential that they think is the most consequential thing in the whole world. Well, I, to go back to another Clay Travis reference, he says it best: like Twitter isn't real. It's yeah. Not real. It it doesn't it doesn't represent the portion of society that it's made out to be. I mean, it's a bit relatively speaking. The people on Twitter and then the active people on Twitter is a very, very, very small portion of our overall population. But they had this giant megaphone uh, in their hands and uh, they use it. So the, the loudest voices seem the biggest when, when in fact it's not the case. Well, it's always been interesting to me that a like on social media, a like, is viewed as currency in a way. How many likes did you get? Mm-hmm. And if your opinions or your comments, no matter what they are, they get a like. It's viewed as currency. And we want likes. We want them on our show. We want them on our podcast. Uh, we want the ability to gain sponsorships on this one day and grow this thing. And, and the way you do that is by engagement. Um, but increasingly in social media, uh, I question how much engagement is authentic. So now you're running scams mm-hmm. and running scams for likes and the likes are scams. The whole thing's a scam. And it just, I, you know, one day there's going to be an amazing documentary about how it was all fake. It was all facade. I mean, we talk about Instagram. Sometimes you see people that are living these great lives and, you know, behind the scenes, maybe their lives really aren't that great. They just look good in photos. But what if we find out the whole thing is a facade, the, all of Facebook, all of Twitter, the whole thing is fake. It's, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen one day. I see it a lot in, uh, you know, I follow all kinds of hunting stuff. And Josh, you probably know this, following racing stuff, that there there are people out there that portray a lifestyle just for social media. Like you got, if it's for hunting, just for the hunting community, if just for an example, you'll have, you know, chicks out there, barely clothed, going, you know, posing with dead animals, and they've got thousands of likes, you know, with this animal and all kinds of comments in there from 40-year-old thirsty dudes. And, you know, they're not doing anything for the hunting community. They're not doing anything for our cause. They're just on there for their own reasons, and somebody is pay- somebody's willing to pay them to do that. Joey, you sounded extremely jealous there that uh, you didn't have the thousands of thirsty dudes commenting on your. I mean, a likes a like, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't discriminate. Woo! 
when when you're when you're interested and uh, it it it's a hobby that turns into an obsession that turns into a lifestyle like hunting is to Joey or, or like racing is to me. It, it does bother you a little bit when you see disingenuous people come in there and exploit your passion for their own personal gain and, and really nothing else. Uh, that That is a little bit disheartening. But to your point and to Joey's part, I mean, you would almost assume that it's going to get worse before it gets better because really doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. And the problem with that is you can take that that same topic, the same model of what we've been talking about, how likes and engagement is currency, no matter how ingenuous or disingenuous it is, and you can blow that out to pretty much any aspect of entertainment. It's leaching into news. It's leaching into politics. It's leaching into business. It's leaching into everything in our everyday life outside of social media. So at what point does this, as I referred to earlier, this small little pocket of people on Twitter, at what point does does that fake lifestyle actually turn into a real one? Yeah. I don't know, man, but you're right. There will be a point where it happens or it bleeds in too much right. and it's no longer on the fringes and it becomes um, every day. We just entered uh, into social media in the concrete sphere. I mean, you know, we started an Instagram page and a Facebook page for this uh, this podcast at Ad Ten. For anybody that wants to go follow that, uh, you start searching that on the Instagram, it'll pull up. So uh, we got a bunch of construction accounts that are on there, and all that seems pretty legit. I mean, they've got a reasonable number of followers and a reasonable number of likes, you know, for their followers. And so I wonder if there are certain pockets of the social media sphere that are uh, you know a little more authentic than others and the construction space seems to be that way so far with the accounts that we follow everybody seems pretty genuine i like seeing the the nice construction and the in the craftsmanship and and especially the hilarious memes <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah i kind of wish there were more you know accounts geared toward construction and things like that i think they're out there but I don't think there's as many as we would hope, or unless I'm wrong. Well, it takes time. Mm-hmm. You got to curate all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we try to put up one thing a day. We, we don't always get one thing a day. We try to put up one thing a day. Usually, it's just a clip from the show. Yeah. But we're doing all kind of stuff. I mean, we're our testing the lab, our testing in the field with customers, all the other st- stuff. We're traveling around, having a good time. But we're not taking pictures of it constantly, and we're not you know curating any kind of message or image out there on social media that we could be doing to show people who we are and and what we're doing and you know what kind of work we're getting done but we're not doing that so it takes like a dedicated concentrated effort to make sure you're getting that media uh into the right person who can then curate it and put a message out to the world and so why aren't there as many I think because it's hard. It takes time. Yeah. It takes time. So you got to be diligent and consistent and determined. And for us, that's the social media thing is like, I mean, what number priority is that on your list? Got? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, yeah, secondary at best. And so I try to make sure we get a clip out every day. Yeah. But even then, it's tough. It is. Well, that's why a lot of these companies have a they have a designated social media person. Like, I guess it's part of their marketing or whatever. And uh, some of the companies I follow, they have one person. All they do is post to social media and they track everything because they can tell, you know, 
who is, you know, engaging and what kind of people, the demographics, like they can narrow it down pretty easily. And that's just what this person does. They just quantify all of that. And they say, well, we're engaging with this demographic at this time during this day the most. So if we want something to go out that's going to get a lot of response, that's going to reach more people, we need to put it out at this time. And it, and it's just uh, it's a lifestyle for them. They're constantly on social media doing their marketing. Yeah, I don't run any of those like those uh, high end stats like that. But I did see a report one time that said you get more engagement if you put stuff out around like 8 a.m. So that's why you see a lot of our stuff gets posted, at, you know, like seven in the morning because uh, I'm like leaving the gym or getting ready to leave the house or whatever I'm doing that day. And. Uh, I throw it up on there. That way, when everybody gets to the office and they check their social media when they get to the office before they work, our stuff's right there and gives them a chance to give a view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's just good planning. I mean, using the information that you have available to you and, you know, making the best decisions. Because, like you said, we want to be seen. We want to get, uh, you know, our, our name out there. We want to engage with people and provide a service of, of entertainment and information to people um, that they look forward to. Yeah. Um, and, and that's always the goal. But maintaining a genuine level for all that, I, I think, is it's easy to attain, obviously. And it's very, to me anyway, and you guys can weigh in on this, it's very noticeable when it's not genuine, to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, we were talking about some of Whitlock's We were just writing, talking about Whitlock, yep. You know, I think he's a tremendous writer, but you can you can tell. You can tell when it is and when it isn't genuine and it goes with with everybody else and some people don't care and some people are turned off by it but we get we get saying well i'd be interested to know if people want to see more of what we're doing in our, i mean our conversations are very gen- genuine here when we have our conversations and uh, we love talking about concrete we love the guests that we have on the things the uh, topics that we bring up are very interesting to us uh, but we do a lot of stuff that's not in front of these microphones so I'm curious to know if people want to see that side of us to be more authentic and to be more open. And, I, you know, I don't know. Is that what people want to see? Is And how do you get that out? Is social media the way? Facebook and Instagram? And so how do you drive people from here to go to that and check it out? And, and then we'd be systematically, uh, you know, responsive. So when we're doing like your lab trials next week that you'll be doing, I'll be on vacation. You'll probably won't see those photos. But... <laughs> Josh will be in the lab and he'll be putting up mixes next week for one of our projects. So does the, does the world want to see uh, Joshua Hare making cylinders yeah, or, or putting a clip up talking about what it is we're doing and the, the technology that we're working with? You know, I don't know. Maybe they do. There's one way to find out. So I guess I'll, I'll take a camera over there to the lab with me, set it up on a tripod or, or if someone is, are you there. taking Joe, are you taking Joe with you to, if, if he's got time, if he's available, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get him in the lab there if he's available. Because it'll, I think Monday, I'll set everything up. Tuesday, I'll throw up all the mixes. Um, and then Wednesday, I might do some follow-up stuff. It, it really just depends on what kind of direction I get Monday morning. I mean, Joe's a smart guy. Chemist uh, was his you know, background originally before he got into what he does now. I mean, he's really interested in learning, and we love that. We love teaching guys. We've taught a bunch of people in our company and distributors that have helped us out i get to play in the lab though joe but what do you think about that you jealous yet i am jealous because i'll just be here i guess (laughs) 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 
uh, we could get a curveball next week. We got a project going on here in Baltimore that uh, they're supposed to be boring, but I haven't gotten the 100% go ahead. So uh, hopefully Joey doesn't have to jump on a last minute flight from Nashville to get up here for the project. First time, just follow me. Uh, That's how we used to always do it. We we had a go bag. (laughs) Yeah. You always kept a change of underwear and pair of socks in your backpack with your computer. They could at least get you through a day or so. You could uh, you can wear pants till they're standing up by themselves, and you can get by with a shirt <laughs> for a few days anyway before people start to notice. You know, for your one th- for your own hygiene, you need an extra pair of underwear and socks. <laughs> one thing I wish I had. Speaking of like clothes that people notice, all of my safety vests they look brand new out of the package and really clean and. I don't. I don't want to fake it that I need these to be dirty. But how come I can never get them dirty? They all, they're shining. All of them are shining. Pants are destroyed. Boots are destroyed. Hard hats scuffed up. Stickers don't even make sense anymore. But not the safety vest. And you can see me coming from a mile away, looking like I ain't never worked a day in my life. <laughs> Do you have multiple safety vests, or is it just the yeah, one? No, I got like three or four. I just grab whichever one I see on the way out the door. Well, I tell you, you might be able to just narrow narrow it down to the one and wear that thing all, you know, just wear that. Because I've got one that I got from um, San Francisco back in like 2016 or something. And I still just keep it in my hard hat rolled up. And that thing looks like, I mean, it's been drugged through everything. I got everything all over it. I use it as a rag for my hands, you know. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what I got to do. I just got to start manufacturing some wear and tear, some patina. I need some nice patina on these things. Well, it's it's funny. By the time you pick your favorite safety vest, you got the thing nice and wore out. That's when we'll come out with our Add 10 Gallons uh, safety vest. Oh, I can't wait. uh, Then you'll have a new one to, to mess up. Yeah, Joey, did we talk about that? We're going to get an add 10 gallons safety vests. Yeah, this is new to me. I th- I thought we had a hard time getting stickers, but now we're getting safety vests. Oh, we're getting stickers too, <laughs> bro. <laughs> did somebody get fired? Was there just a big influx in the budget? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I meant to tell you about your salary. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible? on the podcast that your salary got reduced to make room for stickers and that sucks too because i just added my brand new dependent to my w4 oh no that's a good thing Does it help? yeah that's a tax that's a tax credit is it oh, i don't know how these things work now. i got an extra i think it was like 140 bucks added to my paycheck that used to be uh, a four thousand dollar deduction it's now a two thousand per child Hmm. Yeah. Something tells me I'm making out cheaper. <laughs> <my way. laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you're spending more than that on diapers and formula, that's for sure. Now, speaking of the young Jolene, how's she doing, man? She's good. She had a fussy day yesterday, but other than that, she's doing pretty good. Feed, I mean, sleeping in between feeding at night, so she's doing pretty good. I got home a little while ago when Kristen informed me she's on her third outfit for the day because she spit up all over the other two. <laughs> so yeah. we're doing well, pretty sure, good. I'm sure Krista loved hearing that you had to go uh, right to record the podcast and couldn't take over baby duty. Yep. And I also have to change. Uh, I wish I could show y'all. I got to change the battery in a smoke detector that is probably 12 feet 
It's like in my tallest, <laughs> the tallest ceiling in the house in our bedroom. And I got to hunt up some extension ladder somewhere to change that thing. So it's beeping. We got the door closed. I don't even know if y'all can hear it. So I got that to, I got that going for me this afternoon. Was that like a humble brag? Oh man, I got to change the battery in my 12 foot ceilings. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, all right. <laughs> Show off. Joey, I think we can let you get back uh, to your little girl. I'm going on vacation next week. First time and ever that I'm going on a family vacation. Good for you, man. For, a whole, for the whole week? The whole week. Golly, what are you going to do? Uh, going to the beach. Taking Becca to the beach down to Florida. Oh, y'all flying down there? Yep, man, she can't wait. Got her a little Minnie Mouse suitcase. She's going to jump on the airplane. She's so excited, man. Is this her first flight? Uh, first one that she'll remember. Yeah. She flew at least once when she was like one year old. Uh, well, she did great then. I have no, I have no doubt she'll do great on a flight. She's <laughs> a pretty good kid. But after we land, we got a little bit of a drive, and then we'll get to a beach house uh, right on the Sound uh, in Fort Walton Beach, just a few drive, few minutes drive from the uh, the actual beach there on the Gulf. So should be good. That's awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. That was episode six of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. We appreciate you being with us. Be on the lookout soon for our guest. We'll announce our guest for Episode 7 within the next week or so and have them on the show and uh, try to keep up with that schedule of having a new show out uh, every two weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks at the most. But uh, we try to get two shows to you each and every month. In the meantime, follow Add 10 Gallons on Instagram and Facebook uh, for daily clips from the show and other things that we find interesting. Also, a big shout out to Active Gel 208, the presenting sponsor for uh, this episode and this show, the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. We certainly appreciate their support. And we urge you to go check them out at actigel.com, A-C-T-I hyphen G-E-L.com. So until episode seven, take care and we'll see you then.